taken in the county jail, looking under the door to see if the man is there, sneaking like little children out of town, <laughs> sneaking, <laughs> sneaking all around the courthouse, sneaking in and out of the ventilators, sneaking everywhere. Everything is sneaky up around Sneakyville. <laughs> Everything we have to do is, is to get to the truth has to be sneaky. It seems a shame to sneak to get to the truth, to make the truth such an evil, dirty, old, nasty thing. You gotta sneak to get to the truth. The truth is condemned. The truth is in the gas chamber. The truth has been in your stockyards, your slaughterhouses. The truth has been in your reservations, building your railroads, emptying your garbage. The truth is in your ghettos, in your jails. In your young love, not in your courts or your congress, where the old sit judgment on the young. What the hell do the old know about the young? They put a picture of old George on the dollar and tell you that he's your father, worship him. Look at the madness that goes on. You can't prove anything that happened yesterday. Now is the only thing that's real. You can try to prove that Columbus sailed on an ocean, but it's not the same ocean. It's a different ocean. It's a different world. Every day, every reality is a new reality. Every new reality is a, is a new horizon, a brand new experience of living. I got a note last night from a friend of mine. He writes in this note that he's afraid of what he might have to do in order to save his reality, as I saved mine. You can't prove anything. There's nothing to prove. Every man judges himself. He knows what he is. You know what you are as I know what I am. We all know what we are. Nobody can stand in judgment. They can play like they're standing in judgment. They can play like they stand in judgment and take you off and control the masses with your human body. And they can lock you up in penitentiaries and cages and put you on crosses as they did in the past. But it doesn't amount to anything. What they're doing is they're only persecuting a reflection of themselves. They're persecuting what they can't stand to look at in themselves. The truth. They can't stand to look at the truth in themselves. They persecute themselves. They're butchering themselves every time they go on the freeway. They hate themselves. Look at the signs. Stop. Go. Turn here. Turn there. You can't do this. You can't do that. You can't. You can't. You can't. This is illegal. That's illegal. Everything's illegal. The police used to watch over the people. Now they're watching the people. The president doesn't represent the people. He should be on the roadside picking up his children, but he isn't. He's in the White House sending them off to war. And you're saying, I have to pay for this again? And again and again, I've got to pay for your sins. How many times have I got to pay for your sins? I'm getting tired. I'm getting tired. The people you call my family were people that you didn't want. Children that were alongside the road that their parents had kicked out. So I took them to my garbage dump and fed them and taught them that in love there's no wrong. Everything they've done, they've done for love of brother. Welcome to the Murder Shed. Damn. Episode 11. I'm Stuart Bray. And I'm Gavin Akers. You all know what today is. This is the episode for Charles Manson. Mm-hmm. This is one that I really want to... Wanted to do first off, but I wanted to hit with somebody who, you know, when you think about murder, you know, I wanted somebody like A.J.H. Holmes, you know, think about murder. Charles Manson, you know, uh, you don't think about 
I mean, I guess you could think about murder because there were murders. That's what got him in so much trouble. Being a cult leader isn't what got him in trouble. Sending people to do murders is what got him in trouble. Trying to incite a mm -hmm. race war got him in trouble. Yep. Now, I'm not going to go over Charles Manson's life. I, I refuse to do that because, as I told Gavin before we started, there's if you're listening to this, you know something about Charles Manson. There's so much stuff out there about Charles Manson. You hear the same tired stuff about all these serial killers, about all these infamous people. You hear the same tired things all the time. You hear about the same crimes, the same sentencing, everything, the same backstory. It's always the same stuff. There's so much stuff out there you're going to hear the same amount of. What I want to do today is break down the character of Charles Manson. I mean, we can go over, we can go over, you know, the crimes he committed, that's fine. But what I really want to do is break down his character and expose what Charles Manson really was. Because you can all look at him, and I, I thought it too back in the day. You know, I thought Charles Manson was this profound, you know, intellectual cult leader. You know, drew people in with what he said. I always look at him as, as having an above average IQ. A man with almost no education had mm -hmm. this seemingly high IQ. Now, Charles Manson, if anyone has here, and I'm gonna in this podcast, I'm gonna talk a lot about Helter Skelter, the book, which I had the book sitting right next to me. I'm gonna go ahead and grab that. This book will be referenced a lot. If you haven't read Helter Skelter, I recommend you do if you want to know anything about Charles Manson. This is probably the best book you could get. Uh, this is Helter Skelter, the true story of the Manson murders. Uh, the number one true crime bestseller of all time, by the way. Oh, damn. Helter Ooh, Skelter yeah. is awesome. But it also breaks down a lot about the truth behind Charles Manson. There's a book written about Manson. Um, while he was in jail, a, a cellmate of his spent seven years with him in jail. Wrote a book about him, exposing who Charles Manson really is. Mm-hmm. There, Charles Manson quoted a lot. He had a lot of really unique quotes everyone remembers him by. They're everywhere. You know, if I, I'm not a murderer, if I was a murderer, there'd be none of you left. You know, he has all these, these quotes. I'm nobody. I'm a prisoner. I've always been a prisoner. I'm a prisoner of my mind. Now... Charles Manson was a big, he, he read a lot. He had a lot of time to read. He spent most of his life in prison, and that's mm -hmm. not for the Manson murder. I mean, most of his life was spent in prison for the Manson murders, but prior to the Manson murders, right. he spent a lot of time in prison. Car theft, mm -hmm. robbery, whatever. Petty crimes. Yeah. So he had a lot of time to read. One of his favorite books was, was by Dale uh, Carnegie. Dale Carnegie, and you know the book. Everyone listening should know this book because it's one of the most famous self-help books of all time. Winning Friends and Influencing People. Very popular book. Mm -hmm. Been around for a long time. A little dated, but Charles Manson learned a lot from those kind of books. He, he, he read a lot of philosophy. You know, he really dug into all that kind of stuff, philosophy and stuff. So a lot of these quotes and a lot of these things he took from that. What made Manson so smart in my book was not 
his education. It was his ability to retain certain information and using it. Mm-hmm. He could take this stuff, he would read that book, and he would use every part of it to lure these people in. All these these, these Manson family teenagers, these gr- these young girls, you know, they ran away from home. It was the hippie movement. It was the, ni- it was the 60s. Hippie movement was strong, anti-war, everything. Mm-hmm. Here, here, you know, all these kids, you know, were anti-this, were anti-that. Their parents were trying to make them into something they're not. You know, it's just like people now. They rebel. You know, there's these movements. The gay pride movement, the Black Lives Matter movement. You have all these movements now. That was a movement then. Mm-hmm. Anti-war. Anti-establishment. Anti-big business. So you had these young kids that rebel. And then you have little old Charlie Manson playing his guitar on the side of the street. Finds these kids. Hey, you know, screw the man. Come with me. Live with me. I can show you the way. It wasn't a religious thing, but he was like a Jesus to these people. Mm-hmm. And he had that Jesus complex, whether he believed in Jesus or not. Right. I mean, when you look like Jesus, you you have all these, all the answers, you seem to have all the answers. These kids look up to you like a father figure, yeah. this cool father figure, you know, mm-hmm. the one that like gives you cookies before bed or, you know, lets you have a Christmas present early or something that, like that cool dad. Yeah. Oh, I'll let you drive the car. Oh, we can go shoot guns. Mm-hmm. This, they had this cool dad who played guitar, was hip, gave them drugs, told them that they were that they were something and they mattered, paid attention to them. Mm-hmm. They were gravitated towards that. They got on the the, the bus, went to Spawn Ranch. Um, you had Squeaky, you had Tex, you had all these 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 members that were willing to do anything he said. So I will do my excerpts from Helter Skelter. So the infamous killings happened in 1969 and it didn't take long for all to be traced back to Charles Manson and the cult-like following he called the family. Jeff Gwynn says Manson's fanatical ways started early when he dug into Manson's childhood. He found that Manson inspired terrifying loyalty. Even he was wearing short pants and toddling around the schoolyard. Manson's cousin later said of him, there was never anything happy about him. Never anything good about him. He was six years old in first grade, and that was when he started with the same kind of manipulation that later escalated into murder. Gwen says he would talk to the girls in the class about other kids he didn't like, convincing them to get to go beat up the kids who had crossed him. When the principal confronted him, he used the same defense he would use in a courtroom decades later. It wasn't me. They were doing what they wanted. If you ever wondered if a child can be terrifying, there's the answer. So he's manipulating people before, yeah, you know, before he knew how to drive a car. Mm-hmm. So it's human nature to want to know why something happened, especially when it's something this horrible. For years, people have looked for explanation in the early life of the man whose birth certificate listed him as No Name Maddox. No name Maddox. Son of a 16-year-old girl who refused to name the fa- to name the father, according to Los Angeles Times, the story told of Charles Manson's mother, Kathleen, was that she would leave him with relatives for weeks at a time and was a heavy drinker and robber who spent five years in state prison. When she was released, she and Manson traveled the country with a series of men called his uncles. 
quote-unquote, until he ended up in a string of reform schools where he claimed to have suffered unthinkable abuse. And we've heard that time and time again. Mm-hmm. That's the accepted story. But when Jeff Gwynn was given access to the family documents and members of his book, Manson, The Life and Times of Charles Manson, he says he found something else. He says the stories, including Manson's tale about his mother's attempts to sell him for a pitcher of beer, were largely false. Gwynn says Manson's mother loved him unconditionally, tried to keep him in school, and loved him to the end of her life. Her heart ached for things he did. That doesn't sound like a hateful mother Manson always went off, went off his way to describe. So clearly, something's not the truth. So, a lot of people, there are many people, mm-hmm. that have written books, that have done documentaries, that have said the same exact thing. Manson was very good at retaining things that he learned. Yeah. He was not this profound genius that there are so many people to this day who still think that he was. I went on YouTube, I went on all these sites, and I'm reading all these comments. Oh, the man was a genius. He should have used his powers for good. He should have taught school. He should have done this and that. Yeah. It is brilliant to be able to retain the information you read like that. How many people read all these books about philosophy, mm-hmm. you know, these self-help books, all this stuff, and retain every bit of information and are able to use that information, twist the words around, and pull people in? He's a master manipulator. Oh, yeah. He was such a master manipulator, he can manipulate you today. He's dead. He can manipulate you today into thinking he was a genius. Mm-hmm. How much of the stuff that he said is true, we do know that it's true how many times he's been to jail. Numerous times. We have numerous reports he was a troubled kid. Mm-hmm. But he's always so quick to blame his mom. His mom was the first thing in every interview. She was a whore. She was this, this, and that. So, how much of that is true? Right. Because, as I said, when you when you have power... Manson has power. That's, that's obvious. Because Manson, oh, yeah. ha- Manson had power over all these kids... Which they were young, impressionable. Mm-hmm. We're trying to get away and looked up to him. Of course, it's not going to be hard to, you know, leave your mark on them or get them to follow you and do what you want. That's you're giving them drugs. You're giving them a place to stay. You're acting like you love them. Mm-hmm. Tell them they're important and that they matter. So why would you not? Yeah. But to go your whole life doing that as a kid on the playground doing the same thing. Always with the same excuses. Hey, they did what they wanted to do. I didn't tell them to do anything. I don't control them. They're Mm -hmm. free people. They do what they want. That was his exact argument in court. I did not tell these people. They did what they wanted to do. I don't control them. They're free. They can make their own decisions. Mm -hmm. I just gave them a place to stay and someone to love. You know, I cared for them. They did what they wanted to do. So, there is, so Charles Manson had his own interpretation of the book of Revelation. Where on earth did Charles Manson get the basis for any of this? According to UMKC School of Law, it was all rooted in his interpretation of the book of Revelation. If you're not familiar with chapter 9 of Revelation, that's the part of the Bible by opening the pits of the abyss fire and brimstone, the horses of the apocalypse, and the reign of Abaddon, the angel of the abyss. Mm -hmm. 
It's heavy stuff whether you're a believer or not. Manson believed he was the fifth angel who held the key to the abyss and that he would unlock it to, a, to literally unleash hell upon the world. He interpreted the entire section of the Bible to reflect his word. He didn't preach Jesus. Now, I know I said earlier that he wasn't teaching religion. That's not, he, he was not saying that God sent me here for this or God this, God that. He was God to these people and he wasn't going to let anyone else be right. God to these people. No matter what anyone says, that's the truth. Mm -hmm. Manson wasn't preaching Jesus. To Manson, Jesus is dead. God's dead. He's here to lead this army into this fight. This, the, this end of the world, this apocalypse is going to happen when the race war hits. Mm -hmm. He interpreted the entire section of the Bible to reflect his world. And of course, he was at the center of it. The locusts foretold the swarm of the earth or the beetles in references to their human faces and long hair. Well, let's just say it was pretty convincing to him. The fire and brimstone was their music. The so-called armies of horsemen were motorcycle gangs. And the abyss itself was Death Valley. All that was left was for him to unlock the abyss and bring out the end of days. Just when you thought it couldn't get any darker. This is a man who convinced his family to move into the drummer of the Beach Boys house. So... You know, Beach Boys, Bob Abaran, mm -hmm. all those popular songs. My wife loves the Beach Boys. So, Kamoko, whatever. So, Dennis, Dennis Wilson, who had the Manson connection. And it started when, according to the Washington Post, Wilson picked up a few hitchhikers. They were part of Manson's family and made introductions that led Wilson to crashing, well, led Wilson crashing with the family to enjoy some girls and even more drugs. Manson even taught him how to play a bit of guitar. Wilson was already riding high on fame, and the Manson clan moved in with him until a vicious STD made or uh, yeah 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 that, that's hard for me to read because it's uh, it's uh, until a vicious STD made orgies not as much fun anymore. And Wilson apparently footed the bill to get everyone cleaned up, and that was oh, not man. by his choice. And what is locked in there, Manson is like heroin. He's like, a, he's like a heroin dealer. He gives you a little sample. Gives you a little taste. Gets you high. Gets you feeling good. You're going to pay the price for the next hit. Mm -hmm. And that's what Wilson paid. He paid that next price because he was invited to Spawn Ranch. He was invited to party with these people. He got the girls. He got the drugs. He's already famous. Yeah. So Manson and all them just show up at his house. He goes to work one day to the studio, comes back. The whole family's there, swimming in a swimming pool, hanging out, having a party. Who? What was he going to say? Get out of my house? He wasn't going to say that to Charles Manson and any of them. Right. Wilson made the mistakes, the mistake, and, and, and Manson's smart because Manson was planting the seed. You got the, the drummer for the one of the most popular bands of the 60s. Mm-hmm. Manson was a musician, musician, I'm sorry, by, you know, by his own right. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. You know, have you listened to any of his songs? I, I have heard a couple of them. Yeah. Well, not bad. Twangy and, no. you know, whatever. He doesn't have a bad voice And it's either. more interesting that it is Charles Manson. Yeah. So, obviously, you're not even going to look if it was bad or good. You're just like, holy shit, this is Charles Manson. Mm-hmm. So, but he wasn't at the time, you weren't, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't the Beach Boys or the Beatles or any of that kind of stuff. He wasn't... Yeah. In that level, and you had these record producers that looked at that as a, that was like their measuring stick. If you're not that, 
you know, you didn't have little old Charlie Manson with a guitar who was gonna they were gonna make into a big star. And he wanted that more than anything. Mm-hmm. And when I've told you before, and I've told this to you before I've said this to you, I never read this, and I've never heard anyone else say this, but it is my opinion. And someone can prove me wrong. I'm hit us up on Instagram, prove me wrong. None of the murders, the Tate murders, the Bianca murders. None of them would have happened, the law of Bianca, I'm sorry, would have happened if Charles Manson had gotten famous. Oh, sorry, everybody, that was my uh, microphone going. <laughs> it was great timing. Too. I know, right? <laughs> Usually I turn it off when, when it's done. But, uh, yeah, it was good timing. Uh, it would have been great if it was at the end of the episode. <laughs> yeah. I just, like, let it out. Um, but think about that. If Charles Manson had gotten famous and gotten what he wanted, do you think that he would be sitting in his mansion talking to his family about starting a race war. He was angry because of this. Charles Manson is living, breathing proof that nobody in America is safe, no matter how much money you have, no matter what your status is, you are not safe. Yeah. The underbelly of the beast can get anybody. Mm Mm-hmm. Look at the assassinations on presidents. Look at the murders of famous people. I mean, anything can happen to anybody. No one is safe. And Charles Manson made that relevant. He made that obvious to everybody. And that, to this day, is why he is so famous. Oh, yeah. He is one of the most famous murderers who never murdered anybody. And there's still not proof. There is no living, breathing proof that Charles Manson sent anyone to do anything. He did. I'm sure he did. Oh, yeah. I mean, obviously. But where is the recording? Where is the videotape? Where is the proof? That Charles mm-hmm. Manson sent them to do anything. There's a lot of CIA cover-up stuff that people believe the conspiracy theories with Charles Manson being a con for the CIA to start this whole race war, this whole thing. It's, it's, I'm not digging into that because I don't get into the conspiracy theory crap. Right. I, I don't. I just don't get into that. Yeah. There's probably some truth behind it. I, I don't know. There could be. It just can't. It's hard to picture someone like Charles Manson keeping his mouth shut about. Yeah. Well, the CIA told me, you know, because he had such a he was a showman. Mm-hmm. You know, at some point in time, spending over 30, 40 years in prison, you're going to get a little mouthy and you're going to start talking. Oh, yeah. But, Wilson made the mistake by offering to help Manson with his dream of becoming a serious musician. But perhaps unsurprisingly, Manson didn't take well to criticism that came with actually recording his music. And they parted ways. Fellow Beach Boy Mike Love suggested there might have been more to it than that. Though, though, and wrote in his autobiography that Wilson had seen Manson actually kill a man. It's unconfirmed, unconfirmed, but it wouldn't be entirely surprising. There's a lot about Manson's life story, mm-hmm. full and half-truths, and out, out, outright lies. Manson has lied. That has been proven. Oh, yeah. It has been proven he has been a liar. And, if he killed somebody, would it surprise anybody? No. I wouldn't say so. Because you can say what you want about him, but the man obviously, he could, I mean, he could just be completely sane and for years put on this show to look insane. Yeah, that could also be. He, think about it. You can't look at him and say, well, he's insane. Look look at these interviews where he starts talking in gibberish and shit and standing up pointing and singing and dancing and doing all this goofy shit. He manipulated from the time he could walk. Yeah. To the time that he died. Mm-hmm. 
He was a master manipulator. He could manipulate you. And he's still to this day, as I said, is still, he's dead and buried and he's still manipulating people. Still manipulating people, thinking that, making people believe that he was this smart, this messiah, this, you know. He still does that. There's still people yeah. out there that think all that. There's still people doing stories on Charles Manson. Look at us. The same, look at us right now. <laughs> Are we not puppets on the string doing Charles Manson? Mm-hmm. We're, we're, honestly, look at all the serial killers that we, we give this credit to. I'm not saying we have thousands and thousands of listeners, millions of listeners or viewers that we're getting this message out to, but there is an audience that we are giving this message out to that think about we're giving these killers credit whether we like it or not. Mm-hmm. We can say we're not. We can say we're not advocating or whatever, but we are giving credit. Yeah. We are keeping their memory alive. Mm-hmm. Because there's a lot of killers out there that wouldn't continue to kill or kill at all if they knew that they were not going to get recognized in some capacity. Oh, yeah. A lot of I them do it for the popularity and the fame. Yeah. The legacy. So. And, Charles Manson, as I said, he was a, he was high on himself. Like, that is obvious. Mm-hmm. Very high on himself. He, he actually claimed that he was the original writer of a Beach Boy song. He Charles Manson relentlessly insisted there was more to his relationship with the Beach Boys, though. He claimed Dennis Wilson took one of his songs, turned it, turned it into Never Learn Not to Love, and didn't even give him a writing credit. Yeah, I, I read about that, too. Yeah. Manson repeated the claim in the documentary Truth and Lies, The, the Manson Family. It's a Rolling Stone did an article about that and added at the time he was so insanely angry about it he went as far as leaving a bullet on Wilson's bed. There was no evidence though as Manson was holding out hope Wilson would introduce him to the producer Terry Melcher. It was hoped that he would eventually lead to murder. It wasn't the only time Manson would claim the Beach Boys stole his music either. Rolling Stone says Manson also swore his he originally wrote in my room as in my cell. But the claim is absolutely impossible. Impossibility didn't stop Manson at other times. So why would that matter here? Mm-hmm. 10050. Cel- Celilo Drive. What does that mean to you? Sharon That's, Tate. Yeah. Roman Polanski. What did Roman Polanski do? What movie was he most popular for? I don't remember. Rosemary's Baby. That's fucking right. I totally forgot about that. Okay. Any, which is a good movie, if you see, if you ever, you know. Any manipulative killer achieves a certain amount of notoriety. But part of the reason Charles Manson's name is still high, is still high profile, is because of his victim, Shannon Tate. Sharon Tate, I'm sorry. I was watching a lot of documentaries today, and it's, my mind is the wife of Roman Polanski and an up and coming actress. She ultimately met her horrible horrible in because they had picked the wrong house. Have you ever listened to any interviews with any of the Manson girls on the death of Sharon Tate? Sharon Tate? Some of it, yeah. Not not too much. I remember her saying, I'm already dead. I'm already dead. Mm-hmm. Fucked up. Yeah. Any crime committed now that's gruesome, they even refer to it as Manson-like in its brutality. Because that was brutal. Mm-hmm. I mean, you killed a... I mean, you butchered a pregnant... A, what, she was like eight months pregnant. I think so, yeah. Butchered her. And her friends. Mm-hmm. What was it, like over a hundred-something stab wounds total? Yeah. It's a lot. That... 
there's two things with that. If you find a body that's been stabbed over a hundred times, you're either it's either an angry killing or it's a message sending killing. Yeah. You don't just stab somebody a hundred times. Mm-mm. Just to stab them a hundred times. You're sending a message or there is pure hatred and anger behind it. They were sending a message. Yeah. That and Charles Manson made him hate these type of people. So there was hatred there as well. So, after meeting up with Dennis Wilson and being promised a hookup to producer Terry Melcher, Manson continued to hold out hope his music career was going to take off. When it didn't, the the BBC says Manson targeted Melcher and sent his loyal followers out to kill everyone they found in the producer's home. He had since moved out. Polanski had moved in with his wife. Polanski was in Europe when four Manson family members broke into the house and started killing. Mm-hmm. Tate, who was due to give birth in a matter of days, died along with friends Jay Serbring. I'm not even going to fucking try to pronounce this this name. Sorry, I'm a big Manson person, but I am not about to pronounce this fucking name. Uh, let me spell it out for you. W-O-J-C-I-E-C-H. That's the first name. Last name, F-R-Y-K-O-W-S-K-I. Frawoski? Oh, wow. Yeah, I know. And Abigail Folger? Folger. And you know that name, right? Who is she? Who is she? Sakafi. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Still big today. Mm Mm-hmm. Even though the goal was to kick... That's an awful last name, though. Folger. I guess I wouldn't mind it if I was related to these people. (laughs) I mean... Even though the goal was to kickstart the race war, but Manson believed would lead him to being crowned king of the world and head of the new social order. Getting revenge on Melcher would have been, to put it mildly, killing two birds with one stone. So Manson obviously didn't do his research. Mm -hmm. Wrong house. Right house. Wrong time. I mean, how pissed would you be when your followers go back and be like, yeah, we killed this woman and this guy, like, with this woman and her friends, and then later on you find out it was the wrong people, and, yeah. you're, and you're like, wow. Like, wow. Mm-hmm. I mean, not saying it didn't make an impact. I almost wonder if he even cared. Do you think Melcher was like, holy shit, I'm lucky. Maybe, yeah. I, I'm and, sure. and it's funny because, you know, those kind of person that's like, well, thank God that ha- didn't happen to me. Yeah, well, thank God it happened to a preg- uh, an almost mm-hmm. nine-month-old pregnant woman yeah. and her friends. Yeah, thank God, right? So, but we're not going to get too deep into that. So, No one would expect Charles Manson to be an angel behind bars, but according to the Los Angeles Times, he amassed somewhere around 100 rule violations by the beginning of 2017, as California Correctional Spokeswoman Terry Thornton put it. Suffice it to say that he cannot be described as a model prisoner. What exactly does that mean? The violations include things like bizarre outbursts and behavior, throwing hot coffee on prison staff, starting fights, trying to start a flood, and trying to start fires. He was caught several times with drugs, illegal cell phones, weapons, including a hacksaw blade, and catalogs that led staff to believe he was trying to order hot air balloons in a completely insane plan to escape. <laughs> 
his figurative middle finger to law enforcement starting at, started at his trial when he stood up, assumed the pose of Christ on the crucifix, and refused to sit down. He also lunged toward the judge and declared, in the name of Christian justice, someone should cut your head off. It sounds like a little LSD in his cell was the least of their worries. It's pretty intense. So, and I'm not getting into the woman who married Charles Manson and wanted his body when he died and all that stuff. I'm not getting into that. I'm getting into the cult leader, Charles Manson. The, the cult leader that was found hiding underneath the sink when a state trooper walked in in the middle of the desert and found him just, you know, hi, I'm Charlie Manson. You know. Imagine being that officer, too. Yeah, imagine that. Imagine being that officer looking back years later being like, I'm the one who... And, and, and think about it. Put this in perspective. So you have Jeffrey Dahmer, Ted Bundy, all these people. Mm -hmm. They have infamous names. Okay. But society doesn't lock up in fear when they hear it. Imagine they give Charles Manson parole. He goes out for a job interview. Mm -hmm. Shakes your hand. Hi, I'm Charles Manson. That name itself is fear. Yeah. That name, he, he was just stuck with a very just standing out kind of name. Mm -hmm. Even Ted Bundy. Like, you know, it's kind of like you go for, like I said, the job thing. Oh, Ted Bundy, it's kind of funny. Like, the, you know, uh, you know, yeah. Charles Manson. Yeah. I mean, come on. So, that name, like, he's sitting in the parole, the when they're giving him parole, the parole board that he tried to, you know, like, yeah, are we going to let Charles Manson out? No, probably not. No. There was no chance. His yeah. name alone Kept him in prison. Yeah, and one of his uh, parole hearings was uh, on my birthday. Well, look at that. Yeah, March 27th, 1997. I mean, it was two years before I was born, but... Yeah. So, Char uh, Charles Manson for Rolling Stone in 2013. It was plenty weird. Hedgeguard said Manson stroked his arm at one point. This is an interviewer for the Rolling Stone, Eric Hedgeguard. Mm -hmm. Uh in 2013, he said, it's plenty weird. Hedgeguard said Manson stroked his arm at one point during the interview, and it's and it's that not enough to give you the heebie-jeebies. Nothing will. He also said Manson reached out and bounced one of his fingers off the tip of my nose. Fast as a frog's tongue. Dart and recoil. Alright, there's the nightmare stuff Manson explained. I've touched everyone on the nose. Man, there ain't nobody I can't touch on the nose. If I can touch you... I can kill you. Yeah. He's a larger than life figure. Most of some of his followers are still in jail. Mm -hmm. This is the man who, while in prison and on trial, had his followers carve X's into their heads. Shaved their heads. He had followers outside the courtroom. Not people that were in his family. Right. Regular people. Young kids who still... Charles Manton was in jail and could still have influence over these people. Imagine, do you, can you imagine if he had gotten out? Yeah. The mass amount of kids. He already had a bunch. Imagine mm -hmm. the amount he would have if he had that, that jail popularity, you know, he, that media oh, yeah. popularity. He would have exploded. Mm-hmm. Without a doubt. The world honestly was saved by the fact that he had to stay in jail and that he was found guilty. Yeah, who knows what would have happened. 
Exactly. So, as I said, Charles Manson believed he was Jesus, and he believed he was immortal. Charles Manson's illusion of grandeur didn't stop at claims he was going to be the head of the New World Order. You know, um, all the shit he would write on the walls, have, well, have them write on the walls, mm -hmm. uh, die, piggy, die, uh, helter skelter, you know, write something witchy. A lot of the times when you hear Manson talk, if you watch any of his interviews, he speaks a lot of, he does a lot of gibberish, yeah. and a lot of the stuff that he says doesn't make sense. It's almost like he had read it, and is trying to piece it together, but it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And I think that that is just, he remembers all this stuff, and just tries to put it together into sentences, and it comes out just very scattered. Mm -hmm. As I said, I have respect for, as I said, I, I know that I've been kind of picking Manson apart, but I, he is, for me, the granddaddy of the serial killer type mountain, even though he never killed anybody, you know, that we know of. Yeah. And, and, and how does that make him look? I mean, you had Jim Jones, who had the mass suicide, mm -hmm. hundreds of people, and still, his name is nowhere near oh, as God. household as Charles Manson. Who A man who didn't even commit the murders he was tried for. Yeah. I'm not saying he was tried for the murder. I'm not, you know, like he was like, hey, you did it. You know, but... Conspiracy to commit murder and yeah. all that, and you know that's enough. But you know, if I told you to go out and kill someone and you did it, I'm just as guilty. Yeah. You know. Easily. Exactly. So. Um. Yeah, I mean, think about it. There's videos of his followers that are them walking down the hall being escorted by a female corrections officer, and they're singing. Creepy as shit. The movie, yeah. uh, The Last Shift. I do have a listener that has just recently watched that movie. How much is... Have you seen it, right? I have, yeah. How much of Charles Manson is mm -hmm. based... I mean, literally, it was just like a blatant, like... And I'm not saying it was that was a bad thing. I mean, it, was, it made for a good movie, and it was scary. You know, the yeah. girl followers that are singing. You it was know, a pretty freaky movie. The, the man with the long hair and the facial hair that was like, you know, the cult leader and yeah. haunted the prison. That's that's scary. Yeah, it was, it was a very freaky movie. The girls, in my opinion, you know, the women were what made it so scary. I don't know why, mm -hmm. but they were so... Oh, man, I don't know. Like, when you had these girls walking down the hallway holding hands singing in your name, like, that had committed these murders, how, how scary is that? Yeah, uh, well, it, it's really unsettling, kind of like in the way like The Shining had like those twin girls yeah. that were like kind of creepy, and yeah. like, Nightmare on Elm Street had and they, like, the and they weren't scary up. looking girls, but yeah. they were they were made to be scary yeah. in a certain way, and they were. Mm -hmm. The way you look at someone and the way someone's presented, if you saw those two twin girls without ever seeing The Shining, I mean, maybe not saying at the end of the hallway that's fucking scary. I don't care what situation you're in, but just out and about. You know, on TV or doing like doing a sitcom or something, you're like, "Oh, that's cute. They're twins." When you see two girls, twin girls, standing at the end of a hallway, when you turn the corner yeah. in a haunted, creepy ass hotel, yeah, yeah. context matters. Context <laughs> is a big thing. Yeah. So, uh, as I said, 
Charles Manson had a Jesus complex. Mm-hmm. Charles Manson's illusion of grandeur didn't stop at his claims he was going to be the head of the New World Order. As I said, he convinced his followers that he was Jesus, and all he needed to do was hint at the possibility, Rolling Stone said, and his followers did the rest when they elevated him to a position of a near divinity, of near divinity. The complete, they completely believed it too. In 1977, family member Leslie Von Houghton went on record via CBC News to say, I think at one point, you think we might have like dyslexia with last names? I've, I've, I've followed Charles Manson <laughs> for like 20 years. And I still, and I've heard these names a thousand times. And every time I go to pronounce a last name, it might just be me. I, I don't know. I, I see these last names and I'm like, uh, uh, uh. Mm-hmm. Like I have some kind of disorder where I can't do last names. Even your last name. I was like, is it Akers? Akers? And I, I, for the longest time, I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know. Yeah. My wife's last name when I first met her, you know I couldn't pronounce it. Really? Her last name's Arntz. It was A-R-N-T-Z. When I saw that, the first time, I was like, what in the hell does that say? <laughs> I did not know. I did not know. People ask, well, what's your girlfriend's name? We had been dating for a couple weeks. I'm like, oh, it's, you know, I say her first name, and they were like, okay, what's her last name? You know, do I know her? What's her last name? I'm like, uh, um, it's, uh, like, Arntz, I think. It's like, something like A-R-N-T-Z. I, I couldn't, I didn't know. <laughs> I'm awful. Last names are... And it looks at me like, it's hard to look at me like, well, this dude's acting like he knows what he's talking about and all this stuff, but he can't even get the names right. right. I'm fine with first names. Last names for some reason. And, and last names are weird because you never know if you pronounce them right anyways. Yeah. It could be, you could say it, it could look a certain way. Mm-hmm. And then someone's like, no, dude, it's actually. Yeah. So I, I don't give a shit. That does happen sometimes. So. But Leslie went on record via CBC News to say, I think at one point I really believed he was Jesus Christ. Manson hinted that he not only believed it, but that he believed in everything that went along with it. According to The Independent, Manson called off his intimate marriage to Afton Burton in 2015 after it emerged she only wanted to marry him so he could so she could put his body on display after his death. Apparently he didn't think that was cool. <laughs> Plus, he Fair fully enough. believed he was immortal, so he didn't think he could die anyways. Mm. And that's the only thing I'm going to touch on with the... I, I don't like all the the modern Charles Manson. When you think about Charles Manson with the buds cut haircut, the white goatee beard, and his stupid-ass swatska on his forehead, yeah. I don't... I'm, that Manson never existed to me. My fascination has always been with that Charles Manson that would walk into a courtroom with the X in his head, the long hair, the beard... Mm-hmm. That the real Charles Manson, not what he later became to survive in prison or to get more media attention. Yeah, because he was a showman. He was. Oh, absolutely. You know, people were interested because they knew when he they did an interview, he'd put on a show. Diane Sawyer, he put on a good show. Mm-hmm. Ronaldo or whatever the fuck his name was, put on a good show for him too. He, he did it in every interview you ever will watch of Charles Manson. He does some his his hair looks crazy. He's doing crazy faces. He's dancing. He's got his one-liners. He's got his everything. I mean, yeah. he's always got something memorable from every interview. He was a showman. People liked to interview him because they knew it was going to be good for ratings. It was going to be a good show. Mm-hmm. So, so, at a glance, not much good came from Charles Manson's insane reign of terror, the Washington Post says. There's a silver lining, though. 
and people can thank Sharon Tate's mother and sisters for it. After Tate's gruesome death, Mother Doris Tate appeared at family member Charles Watson's parole hearing, and she spoke. She was heard, she was heard too, and her words for the first victim impact statement in the state. Tate's family campaigned tirelessly for what became the Victim's Bill of Rights in California that ultimately, ultimately led to all states passing laws allowing victims to speak out during trials and parole hearings. Later, Tate's sister, Patty, and Deborah took up the crusade to fight for victims' rights and to keep Manson and his family behind bars. Think about being Sharon Tate. Yeah. You, you didn't do anything to nobody. Your husband's out in Europe. He's apparently a piece of shit. He's out in Europe doing his movies. Whatever. Yeah. No matter what you feel about Rum, he was blamed first. Obviously, they jumped right on his train. Especially dropping movies like Rosemary's Baby that had satanic undertones and all this stuff. Oh, yeah. Obviously, back then, they were like, oh, this guy's obviously doing satanic shit. Like, look at this movie. There's Satanists trying to sacrifice a, a pregnant woman. And then look what happened. A pregnant woman gets killed in a brutal... Which is a hell of a coincidence. What a coincidence. You made a movie, Rosemary's Baby, a pregnant woman seeing visions about... Demons and Lottie Dawn come find out her neighbors are in a satanic cult and they want to sacrifice her. And then that happens in real life. What a complete to your own wife. No yeah, less. your own wife. Think about it. Like, and, and you know what? The even the crazier part of that is, is that they did not plan for this to happen to her or him. They were never in the picture. Oh yeah, he was going after Melcher or whatever. He was going after him. She was a mistake. She was just in. She had just moved in. Wow, the coincidence! Like how that even, yeah. Like oh, they just happened to come across this house, kill this woman, and her husband had just said a movie about the same type of you know mm -hmm. the same kind of feeling that I mean, that kind of murdered a pregnant woman in a satanic way, even though it wasn't meant to be satanic. Still, right. when the police walk in and look at it, what the hell are you going to think with all this crazy ass writing on the wall? A pregnant woman fucking butchered. Oh, yeah. And that was very much like the Satanic Panic era, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah, Satanic Panic was like 80s, came in around 70s, 80s, you okay. know. Uh, but, I mean, there's always been a Satanic Panic. I mean, in the sense, if yeah. you think about it, like with any type of, I mean, think about like uh, early days, 16th century, whatever. There's always fear of the devil. That's always been a thing. Yeah. To this day, there's the, the religious people that, you know, fear of the devil and fear of these satanic cults and all this kind of stuff. There's there's always been a satanic panic. But the media kind of latched onto it around the, the, oh, yeah. the 70s and 80s. It was a, you know... But uh, there was, like, the, there was like rumors of these satanic cults going around, like, sacrificing babies and breaking well, into people's houses. Because a lot of it came with uh, Richard Ramirez. Mm -hmm. He did not help. He kind of stoked the fire. Oh, yeah. So... Um, and even like in the past few weeks with the whole Travis Scott, con which we're yeah. not going to get into that, yeah. but there's even a whole satanic panic deal behind that too. Mm -hmm. So even, you know, that's still really prevalent today. Yeah. So, um, and that's huge. Manson may have wanted to bring out a new race war and lead humankind into the next era, but his actions allowed a grieving family to pave the way for countless victims to have their voices heard throughout the justice system. That's something worth remembering. So I guess something good did come out of it. You know, people got to actually come forward and share their opinion and their thoughts and 
how they feel about someone murdering someone in their family or friends or yeah which sucks that you know it took everything that it took to actually have that happen but i feel like everything you know that that should be it, Some, that, that should be there naturally. It shouldn't take yeah, oh, this yeah. tragedy for yeah. you know, this to be like, allowed. Why would you not allow the family to speak out? Someone yeah. who got murdered. Uh, by the way, I didn't touch much. And, and I have to pay my respects with like Sharon Tate. Um, because that is awful. And I oh, yeah. and, and this episode kind of gives this all, all this light on Charles Manson. And the Manson family. But I do have to kind of shed some light with Sharon Tate. Um, you know, she was the star of 60s cult classics like Valley of the Dolls and, scary enough, Eye of the Devil is perhaps better known for how she died than how she lived. On August 9th, 1969, three members of the infamous Manson family entertained sprawling French country-style home in the Benedict Canyon neighborhood of Los Angeles and brutally slaughtered everyone inside, including Tate's former lover and hairstylist to the stars, Jace Sebring. I do know that. Screenwriter, holy shit! That, there's that name, <laughs> Fry Fry Kowalski. Fry Kowalski. <laughs> I was gonna say Fry. Fry's girlfriend Angela Folger, heiress to the Folger Coffee fortune, and Tate's unborn son at the time of the murders. Tate, wife to the director Roman Polanski, was almost nine months pregnant. She and the other victims had been stabbed multiple times. A fifth victim, 18-year-old Stephen Parent was shot to death in the driveway. The grisly murders shocked and stunned L.A. LA, and Tate became a symbol of everything that was both enchanting and lethal about America's free love decade. But she wasn't simply a symbol, and she wasn't just a pretty face either. She was a complicated human being with a layered personal history and talents that went far beyond her captivating smile and voluptuous body. Wow, that's fucking weird. Like, voluptuous. <laughs> like, what the hell? Like, <laughs> Like, all right, the the fact that she continues to fascinate filmgoers fifty years after her death, Quentin Tarantino. Have you have you seen uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? I was gonna make a joke. It's a shame Brad Pitt wasn't there. Wow, you're gonna make a joke. I was gonna make a Dang. joke. Dang, dark. Tarantino has made it her fate the centerpiece of his movie Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It is a testament to Sharon Tate's unique and lasting contribution to America popular culture, which is now pop culture. So. But, um, I mean, it's, it's amazing. Like, I mean, as I said, the thing with the, uh, the thing with Roman Polanski and the, the movie and, I mean, this, I mean, wow. Like, yeah. So, there, there's so much on Shannon Tate. If you, if you're looking up anything with, with this, with Manson or anything like that, make sure you look up. There's a lot to her. Mm -hmm. She could have a documentary on her own. I'm sure she does. There's a lot to her besides the Manson murders. I mean, seriously, like, a lot to her. She she had a lot going on for her in her life, which is why it really sucked. Um, even her dad went undercover to solve her murder. No like, shit? I, yeah. So, I mean... Yeah, yeah his uh, Tate's grief-stricken father, Paul, a former Army colonel, used his background in military intelligence to try to close the case himself, even going as far as to dress up in hippie outfits to hunt down the perpetrators. Paul was, according to his daughters, a firm, unyielding parent. California hippie was not a role that came naturally to him. Still, he was willing to do whatever it took to bring his daughter's killer to justice. Law enforcement eventually pinned the killings on the Manson family members, Tex Watson, Susan Adkins, and Patricia Krenwinkel. And so, 
While it's true that Paul Tate's detective work failed to produce any solid leads, it was clearly a labor of love. Incidentally, Sharon's son was uh, named Paul Richard Polinsky in honor of her and Polinsky's fathers. I mean, her mom was a volunteer of the Victims' Right Movement, so mm -hmm. obviously we read that. Um, I mean, even the Cirillo Drive, the French country-style house at 150 Cirillo Drive, where Tate and her friends were murdered, um, has a fascinating history all of its own, designed for the actress Michelle Morgan. It saw a number of famous inhabitants, including Lillian Gish, Henry Fonda, and uh, Cary Grant. Prior to Tate's residency, it was occupied by actress Candace Candace Burgeon and Terry Melcher. We know Terry. Mm -hmm. The son of Doris Day, the Burgeon, uh, the Burgeon and Melcher broke up. Doris talked to Melcher into living with her for a while, partially because she was worried about Charles Manson, who kept hanging out, hanging about the Cirillo Drive house, and Tate, and then Tate and Polinsky moved in. So you had text. Which Charles Manson said, text went to Shannon Tate's house yeah. because it was a familiar place somewhere he had been before. That's bullshit. So... You had Charles Manson and his people hanging around here watching Melcher and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And then one night they decided, we're going to go there and kill him. And, huh, well, not them. Yeah. So, um, so, it's, uh, it, it, we'll go back, and I, as I said, I want to touch on Rosemary's Baby, what's known as the curse of Rosemary's Baby. Roman Polanski's film of, uh, what was it? Our Eleven's much lauded book came out in 1968 to a chorus of critical acclaim. Critical acclaim. So far, so good for a movie about a woman unwittingly giving birth to the devil's child in order to jumpstart her husband's floundering acting career. Then the creepy coincidence began first. The film's composer fell off a cliff and went into a coma, dying shortly thereafter. Next and not nearly as dramatic, the film's producer, William Castle, suffered a horrible, heart, a horrible attack of kidney stones during which he is reported to have hallucinated and hollered for Rosemary to drop the knife. His career took a nosedive after that. Finally, heck? Polinsky really wanted Tate for the role of Rosemary, but Mia Farrow got the part instead, and Tate was murdered just a year after the movie was released, oh stabbed God. to death, no less, and heavily pregnant. According to Too Young to Die, Polinsky told a number of friends that sh just before Tate left him for Los Angeles, he had a premonition that he would never see her again. Perhaps it was paranoia brought on by making one of the more disturbing films of the late 60s, which is really saying something. Or maybe he was cursed with the second sight. Damn. So Charles Manson has had a huge effect on, mm -hmm. you know, I don't I don't recommend The Haunting of Shannon Tate, Sharon Tate with Hilary Duff. I know it's, it's a more modern movie. It's just not, I, I'm not even getting in on that. But, um... That, that is, I, mean, I know I could do a I could do a two hour episode on Charles Manson. There's so much the La Bianca murders. Mm -hmm. I didn't get to touch much on them, but I said this was more of a breakdown of Charles Manson himself. Right. And I hope that the people listening learned something that mm -hmm. you didn't know already. Um, that would be great. I, that's what I look at. Like I like to do these. I don't want to read word for word from certain things. I said a lot of this is taken from Helter Skelter. I highly recommend the book. If you want to know anything about Charles Manson, Helter Skelter, that book right there is the book to read. I mean, after that, you're you're good to go. Um, as I said, Charles Manson, he's dead. I think it was, uh, what was it, 2000? He died November 19, 2017. I think he was 83. So think about this little five foot two guy 
who had such an effect on the world. I mean, he has children. Yeah. Um, Valentine, Michael Manson, uh, Charles Manson Jr. I mean... Pff. And yesterday was his birthday. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that. Um, there's a bunch of movies. Manson, uh, 1973, which is good. Um, Life After Manson, 2014, The Haunting of Shannon Tate, which I'm, as I said, I'm not big on that. Um, but there's a bunch of movies and documentaries out there about him. You can learn pretty much whatever. Um, so, and uh, there's albums. <laughs> I mean, One Mind, The Summer of Hate, 1967. I mean, there's so much on Charles Manson. There's books. There's there's everything. He's so much a part of pop culture now. Mm-hmm. And as I said, and I will end it with this. Uh had a weird respect for Charles Manson in a, in a sense. Mm-hmm. I know that he was uh, he had a lot of phony stuff about him. He was a liar. You know, he probably exaggerated most of his stuff. But that probably. is what I, I, I like about him because this guy who really had nothing starting off, mm-hmm. he probably had a good mom. Whatever. I don't know. We I don't know that. I'm not going to say he did. I'm not going to say he didn't. But a lot of reports say he did have a good mom and a good family. So I'm just going to go with that. But even if he didn't, he still had nothing when he went out on his own, and he amassed to be a following, a, yeah. a cult following, literally, mm-hmm. and became one of the most famous people. And that's not even talking like criminals. I'm talking people, celebrity, any anything. Charles yeah. Manson is one of the most household names ever. You can't say that to almost to anybody. They know who Charles Manson is to this day. Yeah, and they will for a long time. Long before I got into true crime, I knew Charles... Like, when I read the article saying that he died, I was like, holy shit, Charles Manson died. Yeah. And that name didn't really mean anything in particular to me, but I knew who he was and yeah. what happened. exactly. So even just knowing the very basics, it was like, holy shit, like, this guy just died. Exactly. But, as I said, uh, if you want to know anything else about Charles Manson, look him up, Google him, whatever. Um, there's a lot out there on him. There's, yeah. there's more I could touch on. Actually, there's... I could do a whole another episode with just different stuff. I mean, the Law Blanca murders, yep. the trials, the early life, everything. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's there's a lot to go with Charles Manson. But as I said, I hope you learned something today, if anything, that would be great. Yeah. Uh, with I, I have a tremendous amount of respect for all the victims involved, especially with Shannon Tate. Sharon Tate. How about I keep doing that? I don't know. I, I think I'm tired. And my, my mind is just like, I stayed up too late last night and my mind is like fried. Mm-hmm. So, it's like, I'm even more dyslexic than normal. So, like, so all respect to the victims. Uh, that's awful. That sucks. It really does. And, um, uh, man, Charles Manson. Hell of a guy. Yeah, hell of a guy. Crazy motherfucker. So I'll end it with this. Check out Helter Skelter. Check out anything with Charles Manson. I hope you all like this episode. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of fun doing this episode. And uh, we'll definitely see you in the next one. Oh, yeah. Peace. See you guys.